This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings all and a very good day to you wherever you might be listening from. I appreciate that you have tuned in because I have a conversation with former In Flames bassist Peter Iwas and drummer Daniel Svensson to share with you. They were members of In Flames for two decades apiece and they now have a new outfit titled The Halo Effect. They're launching a debut. It'll come out on August 12th, 2022 via Nuclear Blast. And in this chat, we talk all about the new album and to dive deep into the fellas' tenure with In Flames. Before we get to the chat, let's listen to a tune from the new album. This one is the title track. Once it is finished, you'll hear what Peter and Daniel have got to say. Let's go.
Hello, Hello, mate. How are you going? Good. How are you? Good. I love it. I'm a bassist too, mate. Leave it out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dan's just connecting to audio now. So, huh? There he is. Sorry. Yeah. Hello. Hey, mate. Hi. Hi. Okay. This is unusual. I don't often get to two members of ex members of In Flames. This is awesome. <laughs> you don't? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've spoken to uh, Bjorn and Anders before, but uh, this is quite a privilege, I must say. Uh, I'll get that out of the way straight away. Thank you. I'm a very big fan of the work you guys you. did in Inflamed. I think it's extraordinary. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. How have the calls been going? Uh, you know, in light of the fact that you do have this new band here, but, uh, you know, I'll probably uh, follow a fairly similar trajectory to other people and talk a little bit about In Flames. But have people been asking you intelligent and insightful questions about this new outfit, the halo effect? Yeah, absolutely. I, I got to say, it seems to be a huge interest and uh, people are very well informed usually. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. I, I would think so too, given your history, both of your history and legacy and your association with the Gothenburg scene and Swedish metal in general. I was very, uh, when I uh, received the album or a bit of a heads up that you guys were back and you were doing something, and especially you've got Michael fronting the band too from Dark Tranquility. I was very excited. Then when I heard it and it sounds great, it didn't let me down. That's another very positive thing. <laughs> Happy to hear. Thanks. Yeah. Look, look for the benefit, I do host a podcast, so for the benefit of the listener, I'm going to do a bit of a career summary of all of the band's members, if that's okay, just to give some people some sure. context because I'm sure there's going to be some people listening that are like, why is Andrew being so enthusiastic about this outfit? Well, here's why. Uh, I think it's important to go through this, as I say, because of your contribution to heavy metal over the decades. Michael, I'm going to mispronounce your Swedish names here, so my apologies in advance. I'm a shocker this way. Uh, Michael Stan or Stanny uh, is on vocals. Stan, uh, Stan there you Stan go. Stan Nair, <laughs> there you go. My, my Swedish <laughs> students at university would be lambasting me for getting that wrong, so there you go. Um, but he's a, look, he is a foundation member of Dark Tranquility. Indeed, he is the sole remaining foundation member. Uh, Nicholas uh, Angelin, he was a member of the uh, Overlooked Gardenian. God, I remember them back in the day. And uh, yeah. he's a long-time associate. And, and, and sarcasm. And sarcasm. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, even older yeah. band. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's just so many killer bands that emerged in that part of Sweden in the early 90s, late 80s, isn't there? And uh, But the thing about Nicholas is uh, he's still in Inflames, I understand. Okay, so he's a long-time associate and a tenured member uh, of Inflames. Now, he's the guy that I think a lot of people want to know a bit more about, Jesper Stromblad, uh, the founding member of Inflames, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he's oh, been correct. in, in yeah, an integral member of far too many bands to count, notably Hammerfall. I don't think people realise that he played a very integral role in Hammerfall early on. And and that leads me up to you guys. So, so Pete, of course, you, you were a member of In Flames for two decades and uh, you either still yeah. are or you were in Chira with uh, Jesper. And I, I and was. I did uh, one were. record with them. There you go, yeah. Um, and 
Dan, of course, you were a member of Inflames for almost two decades as well, and that's my point there. So people who actually know, and I know I've spoken a lot, apologies for that, people used to be doing that, but I just wanted to give people some background as to why I think it's so important that you guys are back and doing what it is that you do as a collective because I don't think you guys are a super group. I think you guys are a bit beyond that. I think you're, you're founders and you're an originators of a genre, you're popularizers of a genre called Mellow Death, call it whatever you will. Um, but look, I love the fact that you're all together in a killing your band that honors the tremendous legacy that you've each established. Do you think that I've summarized? Thank you very much. Do you think it's an accurate yeah. summary? Yeah. Absolutely. Daniel, uh, Daniel had an, another band as well, Sacrilege, before that. But Sacrilege, okay, gotcha. Names. But mm. other than that, I think it was correct. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the name of the album, Days of the Lost, okay, uh, in many ways, uh, as I say, I'm an old fan of In Flames. I feel like it's the spiritual successor to Reroute to Remain. Uh, in that In Flames' sound, it changed after that, that album. I'm not saying for the worse. I'm just saying it changed because, you know, Anders didn't like me talking about that, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and from soundtrack to your escape onwards. So almost two decades ago now. But do, do you agree that in some ways the album is a spiritual successor to Reroute to Remain? Oh, interesting. I, I haven't really thought about it. Um, when you make music uh, like we do, uh, you tend not to overthink stuff, right? You just go in and you write music and you kind of know that what comes out uh, will sound a certain way because of the style that we are playing and how we're playing and performing our, our music. So uh, I haven't really thought about it, but maybe, maybe. It's not something... Uh, it was it was definitely nothing intentional. We we just went in. We had a bunch of ideas, and we came out with a, a bunch of songs that happened to sound a certain way. Um, but none of us really overthought it, and it was was never meant to. It's going to sound like this, or it's going to sound like that. We just mm. let's write this music and see what happens. And and because of uh, like I said, how we're playing, it will sound a certain way. Daniel, yeah. what do you it's, think? It's yeah, hard for us. Yeah. Yeah, I, a lot of people like to analyze uh, music. Um, and of course, it sounds Gothenburg metal-ish because we all are uh, from that genre and uh, we are some of the people that kind of created it. So of course, it will sound Gothenburg metal-ish, Inflames-ish. And then which era, I don't know. Uh, and as Peter said, uh, we don't really think about how it should sound. This is how we sound today. And uh, with our legacy, this is inevitable that we sound less we do. Yeah, I agree. It's not like you were going to, I mean, potentially it could have happened, but I couldn't imagine that you'd sound any other way. But uh, I think my comments allude to something else, the qualities there. Okay, and that's that's what I mean, that it's a spiritual successor to reroute to remain. I actually think this is the album that a lot of old fans of In Flames are going to pick up on and that might actually get them back into. It might help them join join the dots, so to speak, and actually try to understand what In Flames has been doing since then. Is that feedback that you've received? Some Sometimes, yeah. People, uh, I mean, obviously people like to do a lot of comparison, uh, comparison, um, a comparing is the word uh, between us, but I know it's it's a difficult topic to discuss because none of us have, even though we've all been in, in flames at some point, none of us really thought about this as 
as what as if what you're saying but then a mm. lot of people that we speak to say it so it's it's kind of uh, it's hard a little hard to take in uh as we've been very you know uh thorough in just writing music kind of but uh, mm. i'd say it's a little flattering to hear it great well you deserve it it's a compliment well learned. Yeah. yeah yeah what about were there riffs and ideas on Days of the Lost that were in the vault for decades? In other words, is this an album that was written over decades or is it? are these all brand new ideas that you came up with together? It's a little bit of both. Uh, there were some, at least some of my ideas uh, were old uh, and meant for something else. Um, then I, I played it and then we turned them into, we changed some stuff and maybe changed some tempos and stuff. But uh, some were new, some were old. Can't really say for the other guys because they were, I mean, all of the ideas were fresh for everybody else. And since we kind of wrote the album together and got inspired from each other's ideas, I guess you can say that everything was kind of fresh. It's not like we had songs laying around that were rejects from something else. It's just, I mean, you constantly write and you write in your head and like you write, uh, and sometimes you put it down on tape and sometimes you don't. Um, is that the answer? <laughs> no, it's a good answer. It's a solid answer. And yeah. Daniel, was it the same thing uh, for you being the drummer? Of course, do you have some rhythmic ideas and cadences that you brought from way back into the fold this time around? No, not really. I, I, I always try to adapt my drumming into uh, what what the actual riff sound like. Um, so I always I try to... Um, how should I describe it? I don't want to destroy the music. <laughs> I, just, I try to add <laughs> a, a subtle extra. Uh, so I don't have any old ideas lying around. But the thing is, this time, because of the pandemic, we have a, we had a really long recording process. So we could uh, have long breaks in between the studio sessions, which made it easier to not uh, get trapped in a box doing the same things all over, which easily could happen when you have like two weeks uh, drum session on an album. It's hard mm -hmm. to come up with fresh ideas. Um, so uh, it was nice not having a stressful recording. Um, I could take my time or everyone could take a breather in between the songs and think about stuff and come up with new ideas. Who was the producer that you decided to work with? Uh, Oscar Nilsson is the guy who uh, produced and recorded the album with us. And uh, then we uh, used the Jens Bogren uh, oh, as a mixer fantastic. and a master. Yeah. 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 So we, yeah. Uh, Oscar was with us from from the demo stages and uh, produced this together with the band. Yeah. Well, Oscar. Who who else has Oscar worked with that that might be prominent? Uh, I guess his uh, most recent big name is uh, Hank Von Hell. You know the old Turbo Negro singer. Yeah. But he's done. He's done quite a lot of stuff. But I, I haven't really paid attention. But he's he's a really good friend to Nicholas to begin with, and he uh, took us into his studio where we could write and record demos, and then we all felt felt comfortable working with him. So it's a really yeah. really great uh, great producer. Just talking about lyrical themes and some of the topics that were addressed this time around. Can can you speak for Michael on this one here? Do you know what he was singing about and what what lyrical narrative that he brought to the album? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, rough, rough tempo. I mean, he, uh, he, he, he brought up things that he felt were mutual for, for all of us, like uh, 
the attraction to the medal, the the being on being as an outsider, the only guy in in your school listening to metal and stuff like that. Um, mm. Uh, you know, trying to fit in while you grew up, but you always were that outsider and you kind of seeked your way into uh, meeting other outsiders and forming bands and and uh, doing stuff together. And he could, he wrote about how we all could relate to that matter. And that's kind of days of the lost, the meaning of the title in itself. Because, um, you know, when you grew up and you, you're, you, I mean, it's not always easy being an outsider, but once you find out that there are other people like you, and this is, I mean, growing up before social media and stuff like that, so you had nobody really to connect with. You uh, kind of uh, cherished that after a while. And then when you met other people, you uh, felt like you belonged to a community all of a sudden. Like, um, mm. And I think that is something that we all shared, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Talking about a community and something you all share, you two have been a tremendous rhythm team, as I've mentioned, for decades now. What is what is it about your playing that you what is it about the way you guys gel? Because I'm a I'm a musician too, I'm a bassist. So I know it's a it's a, in my opinion, it's probably the most important role in a band live, the drummer and the bass player to make sure that you guys lock in. So what is it about each other's playing that you enjoy? I mean, f- first of all, we've been doing uh, more than a thousand shows together, maybe 2,000 shows together. Um, we know each other in and out, uh, both playing-wise and, and privately. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, been, it's becoming a symbiosis in between the drums and bass of all, uh, through all, the, all these years, I would say. Um, mm. it's, it's just, it, it's, it's like a self-playing piano, basically. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And Pete, it's hard, it's hard yeah. to describe. No, you, you sum it up really well, Daniel. It's a symbiosis. And I think that uh, when when Daniel plays, I know exactly what to play on it. I know yeah. how his style is. I know, you know, uh, I mean, I always say Daniel is the grooviest drum machine. And I know, you know, it always, <laughs> never, never misses anything. He's always perfect, uh, but he's very groovy. And... Uh, even uh, you know, uh, comparing him to other drummers, it's it's been very easy to play with Daniel because because of the experience and because of um, the way that he plays that I really enjoy. So it, it's very natural. But it, but you know, and I think it was very early on as well. It's like I guess we have the same type of style uh, and thinking when it comes to the the backbone of the music. Yeah, you, you, you uh, kind of, it has to be. Sorry. Yeah, I think so. It, it has to be. I mean. I, I'm not that kind of uh, drummer that want to show off and stand out. I want to be the the base, the fundament, uh, and just add some subtle things. And I think Peter has the same ideas when it comes to playing the bass, not freak out too much just to show off, you know? Mm. And that I think we kind of play in the same way, even though we have uh, two different instruments. Yeah, you definitely were a core part of that inflamed sound there. There's no doubt about it. It was, uh, I, I could, the guitars are one thing in inflames, like the twin lead thing, you know, the Adrian Smith, Dave Murray thing, but you guys definitely had the old Nico Steve thing going on there with the way you guys locked in because Thank you, you, could is- yeah, you could isolate your tracks and it sounded very musical and melodic. Cool. Appreciate cool. that. Yeah. 
Um, were there any any significant challenges in the studio with Days of the Loss that you, you know, did you go down any avenues where you had to do a U-turn or anything like that? No, uh, that's the great thing about it. I think Daniel said earlier that we had so long, uh, so much time in the studio. We started this project at the end of 2019 mm. and then came the pandemic when we were almost ready to launch it then, you know, not that we had any record there or anything, but, you know, we wanted to go public with the name, but we couldn't. So because nobody could tour. Um, so we had so much time and we just, we kept on writing, we kept on writing and writing and writing. And there's more material that that's not, that's not going to be on this album that we will save for later. Um, there, there were some parts obviously where you go in after a while and rethink, but I think we were all very thorough in, uh, in keeping the first impression, so to speak. Um, not change, not because I really don't like that when you go in after a while and you think that ah, I should have done that instead, you know. Because we mm. we try to keep the first ideas uh, still there. Could have been a beat or, or or like a melody or something that was lifted out after a while, but no U-turns, no nothing. We we just kept on writing what felt good. Mm. Yeah, and also the knowledge that no one knew about the band because this was a secret. Uh, we really uh-huh. didn't have any pressure on ourselves or expectations. We just. Uh, walked in, into the studio with a mindset of having fun. Um, it's it's more difficult when you when you are a band all, already released a few albums. You know that people have expectations, and that makes it a little bit more difficult. Now we were we could do whatever we wanted basically because no one knew yeah. that we existed. So it was much easier that way. I've asked this question of a lot of the nuclear blast artists, but did Marcus from, you know, the old nuclear blast owner, did he knock at your door with atomic fire at all? Were you, were you, was it always just you were going to be working with nuclear blast? Um, we sent it out to a couple of labels and uh, I think there were a few, few interests, but I mean, having worked with nuclear blast for such a long time and uh, also having worked with, uh, with Robert when he was on uh, Century Media, um, mm. I think that uh, um, I think that no, there wasn't really any op- other op- options for us. Yeah, as far was as it, I think. Was it one of those situations though where you wanted to you want this band to be known as a completely new band, even though you all have such a rich history with Swedish death metal? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, as in, there's one of those things where. Sometimes history can be overwhelming and the legacy can be a bit of a challenge to overcome and it can be known as former members mm-hmm. of band now have a new band. Do you, I mean, it sounds like as though you're comfortable with that, which I think is a wonderful thing because Inflames is such a, a great band from back in those times. But um, do you, would you prefer for people to know about this band just as, hey, look, it's the halo effect and it's just the halo effect or are you quite happy for it to be known as you know, you're all coming from different parts of Swedish death metal and this is just what you're doing right now? For me personally, I, I want to have it as a new band, but uh, it's uh, people will um, compare us with the flames and to, uh, bring up our history. But uh, we don't we don't talk about it ourselves. We don't want to, We want this band to be to stand out and do what it does uh, mm. because of what it is, not because of what we were, um, of course. But it's always we will always be compared with the flames, and people will always ask questions about it and uh, it's I mean as you said we've been in the band for two decades but this is a new thing even though we have history uh, yeah 
I think I think a lot of people in my position, though, especially given this might be the only chance I have to talk to you, it's far too good an opportunity not to talk about some of these momentous things that you achieved whilst you were in Inflames. Do, do you finding that, though, that people, I mean, with a lot of respect, that I think people would be doing that. Is that what's happening in interviews? Chodra. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable. And uh, I, I don't mind uh, talking about it. Uh, it's been a big part of our lives. Uh, to be fair, I spent more than half my life, uh, at least when I quit, I spent almost half my life in, in yeah. the band. Uh, and it's a, it's a big part of my life. And it's made a big impact on our lives. On our lives. Um, so, I mean, we will we will talk about it, but we prefer to talk about new things and not yeah. drag in in flames, of course. But I mean, we were super proud of what we achieved. And a good thing about it is that at least I feel that I don't have anything to prove uh, anymore. So I can take this new band uh, less stressful, you know, because we already mm -hmm. been doing this for so long and achieved so much. So that's a good feeling coming into this new band, knowing that it doesn't really matter. I, we've already done it. So this is just for the fun of it. Mm. Well, you, you know, you both appeared on Colony. I think any of the musicians that were on Colony, you've got a ticket for the rest of your lives to do basically whatever you want to do, um, such as the, the impact that that album had. So are you, are you, can you tour at the moment? I mean, I understand most of Europe is opening up, but then, of course, we've got this bloody war situation, unfortunately, unfolding in the Ukraine. Have you got some shows booked in Europe? Yeah, there's, uh, well, we have our first show on this Saturday in Sweden Rock. And then there's, uh, I think there's one in, uh, in Turkey and one in Slovenia uh, and one in Germany. Uh, we're doing, and we're also going over to Japan for uh, Download Fest in August. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, uh, it's a big tour uh, booked for uh, starting middle of September together with uh, Machine Head and uh, Amanda Marth, where we're supporting. Oh, Machine Head. That'll be interesting. Yeah, they're, I yeah. know their fans are, you know, they're morphing, they're becoming real metalheads these days. But uh, that's a big thats a big deal for you guys to get that tour, I take it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, uh, friends of ours from before, and we were looking for that very opportunity to go out onto a big stage and, uh, and uh, get uh, some really nice exposure before two killer bands, you know. So uh, that's, that's a very good, good deal for us. Mm. Look, I, I mentioned Colony uh, a moment ago, and I've got a question for you about it. Uh, I, I wrote a book, you see, and uh, Anders and Bjorn are in it uh, around my conversations around some of the things that I've mentioned there about the change in the band's sound. But look, you, you guys were there, so you know, but the group was a revelation by the time uh, Horacle had come out. And then when you guys came on board, I mean, the surging popularity on the Colony in 1999, it was one of those rare moments in heavy metal history where a band released a great album and then released an even better album with Colony. Colony is actually so good that I think it's one of the greatest albums from a Swedish outfit, which is kind of like saying it's one of the greatest heavy metal albums of all time. And I think people who know, they know. It's really, it's a peerless wow, album. So look, when you guys were writing and recording Colony, did it, did it feel like it was going to be a momentous release? No. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, not it's, really. back to, <laughs> it's like we never thought about stuff like that. 
uh, we still don't, as you can see. We we mm-hmm. just in, into it to have fun, make music, and and you know go on tour. Uh, and I think the moment where you start re- start thinking like that, you know, that this is going to be this is going to be the album, you know, then then um, I think some things can get lost a little bit in the process. It, for me, it's really important just to stay focused and uh, do the best that we can and. Um, hope that that carries it all the way so to speak but it's i mean obviously you feel that this is a great song and this is a good good uh, riff or whatever and this can be really really well achieved but i mean colony was our first album uh, within flames um uh, recording and mm. i was just psyched to to you know make an album yeah, I mean, but you know what I'm saying, don't you? I and mean, you see what people are wearing to the shows and stuff, the Colony T-shirts sure, or what yeah. have you, you know. I mean, it is. I remember thinking Horacle could never be better and then the Colony came out and it was just like, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And yeah. and I think it was, and I've got to give you guys a huge credit for this, you know, the internet had come along by then and people were turning away from magazines and Rolling Stone and all of that bullshit that had long since written off heavy metal. I don't know whether you guys felt it, but in countries like, Britain, Australia, the United States, the so-called Western markets. It was in flames that was the tip of the spear. And in particular, it was Colony that brought heavy metal back into the spotlight. Please tell me that's feedback that you've been given before. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we've been getting lots of great feedback and bands saying that they were inspired and all that stuff. And I think it's, it's. I mean, I don't know if it's just because we're Swedish and super humble, but uh, it is hard to take in, you know, that you're mm. somebody's inspiration. But when you stop and think about it, it's a great honor to be considered that and uh, to have the the music considered, like you said, the, the you know the greatest metal album. Uh, that's fantastic. And we've, mm-hmm. I mean, we've heard lots and lots of, of um, stuff like this throughout the years, and it obviously never gets tired to hear. Uh, but I mean, I, I have such a hard time. It's kind of like that was somebody else doing that. You know, yeah. I, I never really think like that. You know, it's it's. Um, I don't know why. I mean, obviously I enjoy it, but I don't go around thinking, hey, I played on Colony, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, no, I I don't do that. I don't think that that's... Yeah, Swedes are like Australians. We tend to be fairly humble and uh, not really talk yeah. up success. Yeah. Feel like that way for you, Daniel, as well? Yeah, well, I think uh, why the album become like... Um, so important i think that's the time when inflames decided to to start touring before it was a lot of different members or switching place but i think mm. we decided to to try to do our best and tour as much as possible and i think some of the songs are written more for a live environment than the previous albums uh, we started mm. to think more about the live show that's why that album becomes or became uh, a little bit different and uh, it, and it was a good good timing as well yeah, and as Peter said, time. I mean, sometimes you have to pinch your arm and think about it. But at the same time, if you get too satisfied, you, you stagnate. So you always try to improve. And uh, sometimes it makes you maybe forget about what you have achieved. Uh, sometimes you need to, to, to stay uh, and just uh, suck in all, uh, uh, all positive words. Mm. But um, yeah, that's not our our best uh, thing. 
No, fair enough. Yeah. Look, look, I mentioned uh, up top that I'd spoken to, uh, to Anders about the significant shift in the band's sound from soundtrack to your escape. And he wasn't rude to me or anything like that, but he didn't want to talk about it. And he firmly told me that we've always been like, we control this shit, nobody else. No worries whatsoever there. I don't begrudge any band for doing what they need to do for any reason, whether it's for commercial reasons or artistic reasons. Um, but both of you were around for that shift and no doubt you, you felt some of the feedback back then from fans. As best as you, as you can recall, was it actually a strategy or a decision to chase a more you know, updated, more, let's say, radio-friendly or more, more rock sound? No, no I no, don't think it was never the same. So it was the same same in the flames. We write we wrote songs that we enjoyed to play, and we didn't want to repeat ourselves. Um, but we've been answering this question several times. <laughs> yeah, but we, no, I appreciate basically it. Basically, we don't want to play the the same thing, the same song all over again. We want to uh, explore new uh, areas, no, even though we didn't want to um, get far too far away from. Uh, what we do, but uh, you know, it, it gets boring. And uh, we wrote songs that we we liked, and then people could take it or leave it. And I mean, they liked it. You yeah. Know. Yeah, Peter. Same for you too, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, once you start thinking about how things should sound, then it won't be natural. You know, then it won't be. Um, it won't turn out great when it when it comes to our type of music. That's if you sit if you're a songwriter who sits in the studio trying to to write hits. That's different. But we never thought about that. We just tried to make music that we enjoyed ourselves, uh, and we still do. You know, it's uh, mm. it's super easy to just talk about it. You know, that you it's kind of like um, it's just being honest. You know, it's like being honest. If you're always honest, you never have to remember a lie can always say and that's the same mm. with music if you just write what you feel you can talk about it and you can feel it you know and at any point mm. yeah i like what I you just said sense, yeah. yeah you don't have to remember a lie or i like that or there's the myth yeah. of the lie too you have to keep remembering the myth of what you keep yeah. were saying at a particular point yeah look can't begrudge as i say the band for doing what you did it, it ended up sending you guys into the stratosphere even more popular you went from being a an underground you know people like me an underground metal fans favorite to being a band that was even played on triple m here i think at times um yeah and and i think even recently the 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 decisions that they've been the band have been making it put them even further into the spotlight by supporting deep purple you saw the gig yeah. that the band did recently can't yeah. i mean success is success isn't it Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's something we always felt like doing. You know, crossing borders and and uh, working with uh, well bands and different styles and different producers, and uh, you know, even signing record deals with a big label to get better distribution and stuff like that. You know, we've always tried uh, as as bands and as persons to think outside the box. Mm. Uh, just yeah. because you're a metal band doesn't mean you can't tour with Iron Maiden or Deep Purple or you know uh, or Extreme Metal Band. I think, and I think that's that's a good way of thinking, and we still do with Halo now. Yeah, well, look at the look at the tour you've just scored here with Machine Head. I, I wouldn't have picked that, yeah. but that's a, that's a wonderful thing because uh, their fans need to be exposed to some quality extreme metal, such as you guys. Yeah, great. Uh, that's going to yeah. be awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'll make this my final question for you then, because you, as I say, you guys were around. You guys were back. You were around back then when, you know, the spark became a flame, which became a bonfire. Do you agree with my opinion that without the Swedish contribution to rock and metal throughout the nineties? when rock and roll was all but cast out and declared dead, as I say, by Rolling Stone and all those bloody magazines and the American mainstream media, that if it wasn't for the Swedish contribution and I suppose the black metal contribution from Norway as well, that rock and metal globally would not have surged in popularity as it did in the early 2000s as the internet took over. Do you guys think that it was really the Swedish and the Norwegian contribution that was the catalyst, if you like, for rock and metal to roar back into the mainstream? I think that we were know. part of it, but then, then also after we started, it came a lot of bands from from, uh, you know, from uh, America and and all over that were inspired by this type of style, uh, came out and made it even more popular. And then we were inspired by those bands again, and then you know, they were inspired by us and go. So I mean, it's really hard to say that it was the Swedish, but I know that we definitely had part of it. Absolutely, uh, they're great mm. bands. I, I know, for instance, a band like Hammerfall. Mm. I think they're solely responsible for bringing back power metal. Metal. Agreed. Hadn't they been as as huge uh, as they became, I think that a lot of bands would wouldn't be around today. Kind of like just revived that whole scene. And that, in my opinion, that was solely because of Hammerfall. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, your view on that? I agree uh, about Hammerfall definitely, uh, but I think if if it if it wouldn't have been for the Swedish or Norwegian bands, I think it's about timing. I think there would probably be another scene from another country that would have probably taken that place. Uh, now I think that there came a lot of bands from that this area at uh, at exactly the right time. So it's it's about timing as well. So I I think the scene maybe would have looked the same, but it and it could have been because of bands from other countries and regions but i think the timing was perfect so but as yeah. peter said hammerfall is solely responsible for a revival of the power metal scene definitely so, so blame yeah, them without a doubt <laughs> yeah, blame <laughs> yeah yeah but blame them for bringing judas priest painkiller into the mainstream yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. no yeah. no <laughs> yeah, that's all good. But hey, one thing I will say is I think every metalcore band out there owes you guys a debt of gratitude. If it wasn't for you guys, I don't think metalcore would sound like it does. Well, I've spoken to a lot of friends in different metalcore bands that say they were really inspired. And then I go back to tell them, well, you're, you inspired us, you know, mm. bands like Killswitch Engage and, and uh, As yeah. Dying, uh, Trivium, Unearth, Devil Driver, you know, great, great bands that I still love today so i think and that's the fantastic thing about music that you can inspire each other back and forth mm. yeah you, you, f- you share that view too daniel on that point yeah i do um and you and i, I agree that metal core that the, the swedish bands started uh and was a big influence on metal core but then it, the metal core scene evolved into something of its own uh, mm. pretty fast and then as Peter said we borrowed stuff from the metalcore scene uh, when it became like bigger and better uh, in the beginning I wasn't a big fan at all but uh, now as Peter said uh, I also love these bands uh, and uh, yeah I totally agree I mean we that's how music evolves 
you all inspire each other. It's like a, it's like a tree. The branches just go on and on. Hmm. Yeah, I've spoken to a lot of Swedish musicians. I've done well over 700 interviews and I ask that question a lot because I'm 44, so I was around back in the 90s and I remember what it was like. It was dead. It was metal was all but gone. And I could remember the nuclear blast, the death is just the beginning compilations. Yeah. That's how I heard you guys. Yeah. And yeah, and and I remember thinking, who is this fucking band? It just sounds unbelievable. You know, I was into Morbid Angel and Deerside and stuff, but I'd never heard anything quite like it. And I know that my from talking to people, my experience has been repeated tens of maybe hundreds of thousands of times times around the world. You know, old school Morbid Angel Deerside fans, they hear you guys because we also loved Iron Maiden. And then there were some other things mixed in there again, some almost proggy, not pop, but you know. Elements of bands like Rush and even Pink Floyd. I could hear Pink Floyd in Flames too. Um, occasionally, you know, just with some of the the space that you'd leave between things, and uh, very inspiring. You're very you're spot on there. I mean, we uh, those bands and many other bands are bands that always inspired us, and I think uh, one of the keys keys to why we sound like we do uh, is because we don't let. You know, we we get we take inspiration from everywhere, mm. from all types of music, from uh, from each other. From uh, there's no limit, kind of. You know, uh, I think that maybe not so much these days, but in the past, a lot of bands were solely inspired by their own style. You know, which will mm. make them stagnate after a while. Uh, and I think what we always do with Inflames and with Halo Effect and anything else that we played on is uh, just you know uh, we expanded our our. Uh, views and whatever was good we incorporated that into our music hmm. and i think also in gothenburg in the early 90s uh, everyone played with each other in different constellations hmm. and some people listened to d-side some people listened to our maiden and the third guy listened to thin lissy and that uh, you know and then you, you created music and it become a, a mashup of all these genres um uh, we, we, I think we were thinking a little bit outside the box already, and we mixed everything within the not metal scene, but like new wave of British heavy metal with the death metal and some twin guitars. You know that mm. that how we came out, and it was totally what, different. Why Why do you think rock and metal has been so enduringly popular in Scandinavia from a uh, an innovation perspective. Okay, I know it's very popular in Germany and some other countries too, but in Scandinavia, there's always new shit coming out. There's you guys, Shira. There's so many great bands that are now mixing all of these things together. It never stagnates, but it's always been focused on rock and metal and bringing the genre forward. I can't say that in Australia. There was too many times, too many years where you, the, my, most of the rock places these days around me, for example, just play DJ music or just fucking Spotify over the speakers. But Scandinavia, it doesn't seem to be like that. And you guys have toured, so I think you understand what I'm saying. Do, yeah. do, do you do you have a view on why Scandinavians are so passionate about rock and metal? I think it's not only rock and metal. I think Scandinavians, we uh, appreciate uh, like all styles. Uh it's not only the metal style, it's uh, uh, all kinds of music. And I think Scandinavian, Scandinavians are uh, open-minded, I think, somehow. So I think it's the same with other genres. It's not only rock and metal. So it's not unique for that kind of music. Hmm. 
it, it's, and also, I mean, when, it's also when it comes to yeah. Uh, go. No, it's also like when we, we grew up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it. <laughs> Uh, it's like when we grew up, uh, there were a lot of youth centers where we could uh, rehearse and uh, meet uh, like-minded. I mean, going back to what I started, said in the beginning, uh, meet people who also felt like outsiders and, uh, you know, do stuff together. Um, we got to, you know, borrow equipment for free. We had like, mm -hmm. a, it's called a, like a study group where you, if as long as you filled out the hours you were there, you got the rehearsal space for free. And that was like, as it was amazing for, for for us to grow up and you know hang out with and i think that's part of it also because that created a community and you could and then you moved on and you played at these uh, youth centers instead and and then somebody played at a bigger place and a, you know you you were there as a as a sport act or a stage hat or whatever but everybody was involved in everything and i also inspired everybody to keep on playing music and uh, like Daniel said, not only metal, even though it might appear so, but we, I mean, we have lots and lots of great Swedish uh, DJs and uh, pop music and everything. Oh, so. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a bit of an indoor culture thing. We have it down here in Australia too, where in Melbourne, a lot of great musicians either live or migrate to Melbourne because it's so bloody cold in Melbourne. It's hot in summer, but, you know, for six months of the year, it's freezing and yeah. uh, it's an indoor culture. So, you know, where I'm from, a lot of people go surfing. Um, you know, they play acoustic guitar, but campfire bullshit, you know, they're not trying to do things like what you guys are doing. I think that might've played a role in it too. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, lads. Look, I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for answering my questions. Um, yeah, you know, I Thank appreciate you. the, you know, it was a, the catalyst for our chat was uh, due to this outstanding album from The Halo Effect. But look, I just couldn't resist because we probably won't get a chance to chat again. So uh, thank you very much for giving me so much of your time. I do appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure to talk thank to you. you. Thanks, lads. Good luck with everything. Good luck. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you have it, ladies and gents. I hope I didn't punish them too much by asking too much, too many in flames questions. But as I say in the introduction, an opportunity to chat to these guys and not talk about in flames is an opportunity spoiled, and I really wanted to go there. So I hope you enjoyed the ride. My name's Andrew Mackay Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. If you enjoyed that chat, there are plenty more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. What's more, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, you may enjoy reading about some of the interviews that I've conducted around about, I think there was 90, 90 individual interviews that I have dissected and expanded on in my book, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal, Hard Rock and Beyond. Click on the banner. You'll go to a intermediary site which will allow you to go to any one of the marketplaces from which you typically download your ebooks, Amazon, Google Books, Barnes and Noble, Angus and Robertson, whatever it might be, it'll be there. Download a sample and if you do purchase the book, please hit me up because I want to thank you personally. That's it from me. I've already done my little bit of an outro and said who I am, but I'm going to say it again. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it's a very goodbye for now.